Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. And today I'm going to help you trust and believe in your ability to go after what it is that you want. But it's going to be a very special episode because I have an amazing friend of mine who is going to be asking me some questions. And one of the things that's going to be really fun about this is like I'm on a time limit. But I also believe that these questions, questions that I don't know, are going to come my way and I'm just going to have to give it to you straight, literally off the top of my head, because when I don't know the questions, I don't have time to prepare. So I can only give you the real tea. My incredible friend, Danielle Natoni, is on the other side waiting for me because she has some really great questions. And it's very important for you guys to know that they are Darren Natoni approved questions. Even though Danielle is an incredible interviewer and extremely creative one of the most creative people in her own right she always checks with her husband to make sure that these questions are extra difficult for me <laughs> so get ready to trust and believe and we're going to chat This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Danielle, welcome to the show again. I am so excited. And yes, these questions are Darren approved. I read them all and I was like, what do you think? He's like, damn, those are some really good questions. I'm like, I know. I'm really excited for this because I think it's going to be like a year in review just of what I've been up to. And obviously it's going to help going into the new year and hopefully you will get something out of it. Danielle, you may begin. Okay, so I have 15 questions. So let's see if we can get through all 15. And it is kind of like a year in review. Okay, so we'll start off, we'll ease in. So first question is, this year you took on a new fitness challenge by hiring a personal trainer. What is the number one thing you have learned about yourself through this process? Great question. The number one thing that I learned about myself through this process is that I love being a student. Because 
the last 20 plus years of my life, I've been a leader. And while I've been through mental health, I took tennis lessons from obviously tennis pros and people who are better than me. It's something about refinding my passion of fitness through having a personal trainer. And other reason why I love being a student of her specifically of Kristen is because she's a doctor in physical therapy. So she's taken a lot of my wear and tear and my injuries and applying it to my body and me enhancing my body. So I love being a student because I'm not looking at it only as like how ripped can I be or how much weight can I be? I'm looking at it as like, I'm lifting and doing the mind muscle connection so that I stay as injury free as I can. Love it. Okay. So follow up to that question then is what has been the most challenging part of the process? The most challenging part of the process. Wow. Eating has been the most challenging part of the process because, <laughs> and this is going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Because as, as a Beachbody coach and taking people through different programs and putting people on nutrition plans, while everything is really designed to be great for you, it can also backfire in your mental space. And it could be a detriment to your mental space because a lot of times when you're doing a nutrition program, you're thinking more about what you shouldn't eat and you don't focus on what you're enjoying putting in your body. And then I did intermittent fasting for a while. And it was like, don't eat from this time to this time, which I still think is a really great lifestyle of eating. But this was really tough for me because initially I said, I have to eat a lot and I have to change my brain into thinking like me eating a lot is not going to make me gain bad weight. And it was really challenging. It's so much better now. But even like last night, I had to drink a shake and I'm just like, no, like you have to drink the shake. And it's amazing that I go to bed really good and full and I feel good. And I wake up the next morning and my body has rested and it's back intact. The flip side of that is I love eating and I no longer be like, oh, I'm going to eat this little meal and I'm only going to eat this protein because I want to be 180. I don't do that anymore. But it's still tough to eat all the food that I need to eat. But listen, Okay. It's all that glycogen is like filling up my muscles and I love it. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Okay. So switching topics a little bit, you've shared a lot that you've been working with a therapist and had a lot of amazing breakthroughs. What's something you've realized through this process that has been the most enlightening for you? That I'm a high achiever. I had a terrible childhood and one of the things that I was told when I was a very young kid is that I'm lazy. I was called turtle. Like I was slow. Even I made the honor roll and stuff. Like I was, it was just reinforcing me. Like I would walk slow when I was with my family because I was like enamored by things and I would be trying to learn about them. But I was called slow and I was called lazy because I just moved at my own pace. And so you don't know me as that, but I also said to my therapist in the very first session that I have with my new therapist, I was like, why do I feel lazy? Like, I just feel so lazy. And I even said that to Chip one day. He was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He didn't say that, but he said something like that. And then my therapist was like, it's just because you're a high achiever. A lot of my professional athletes feel the same way. Like they work hard, they do all this stuff. They have achieved incredible amounts of success and they still feel lazy. And it's something about being a high achiever combined with your past self 
that makes you feel that way. I don't need to work hard to prove that I'm not lazy. Like I'm actually working hard to be like, wow, I'm a high achiever. And I'm like relishing in that because I think that's a really high honor. Okay. So I'm going to add in an extra question now. So now there's going to be a 16th because that made me think of something. So then on the flip side of that, when you are having a lazy moment, which taking away any bad connotation of that word, but you're having a restful day, do you find yourself then having to battle that as a high achiever, knowing that it's okay to have a restful day? Only when I compare myself to my husband, which is really crazy because I love when we put the kids to bed, I want to sit down. I want to watch a Netflix show in our theater, or I want to go be intimate and Scott is, I need to close up the house. I need to take up the trash. I feel like a kid again. Like I shouldn't sit down. Like I should go do this. And we actually had an incredible conversation about it. And he only does that because of stuff that happened in his childhood. When I'm reading the boys, the books at bedtime, like he's finishing all that stuff. So now we finish at the same time and then we can go actually have an evening together instead of because he would get in bed like 35 minutes after me and then he want to shut it down and I'm like I've been in the bed for an hour and then we would have more discussion instead of intimate time and so we had to work together to do that but that was the only time I started to feel lazy and then we chatted about it and he was like no it's me and I was like okay and then you know you have to talk even deeper I don't want to take that away from you like I want you to feel like the house is closed up but we have to figure this out yeah Love that. Okay. So the twins just turned five, which is absolutely insane. It's insane. One, I feel like they were just born, but also I feel like they're smart enough to be in college. So it's just crazy. But what is something in your parenting style that you do differently than you thought you would have done differently before you had kids? So before you actually had them, you're like, oh, this is how I'm going to parent. But now you actually do it this way. So it's interesting I think I am treating them more like adults than I thought I was going to do. Like, I thought I was going to have these kids. And in the morning, I thought I was just going to be like, oh, let's play or whatever. And I sit down and I have conversations with them. And we do math questions every morning. You would love this. Sander, like, you can ask Sander any math question. Like, you can ask him 160 plus 160, and he's getting the answer right. I'm being entertained and also... and. It's just like really weird. Like, it's just a completely different thing than I thought what our mornings were going to be like. They come into our room sometimes and wake us up, but they get up, they're having their conversations. They're either playing their games and I come out and they're like, can we have some math questions? Can we talk about science? And it's just, whoa, this is way different than I thought when I was going to have a five-year-old who's not even in school yet. So that is really different because when I was a kid, it was like, wake up. I'm playing with my brother. It was like cereal. It was you move on. There was no super family dynamic in the morning with spending time. Yeah, it's very surprising to me, but I like absolutely love it. Sticking with the twins and it may be hard to pick one, but try. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite memory with the boys so far this year? So this happens a lot. So I can't pinpoint the individual time, but let me tell you about Silas. Oh, my God, like he is the wildest human that the world has ever met, but he's also incredibly sweet. Every time I finish reading him a book at night, it does not matter. I finished the book 
and he plops up and he's like, can I give you a hug and a kiss before you leave? I said, I'm not. And I'm always like, Aww. absolutely. And then I'm walking out the door. He said, well, Papa, I hope you have a really restful sleep. And he does every single night, unless he like is super tired and he passes out every night. And then Sander will hop up and be like, okay, I want to kiss too. And he like does it. And it's so weird. These two are literally the opposites of scott and i like i made sander i said we say that in a funny way and he is like scott a lot like super logical like i don't got time to deal with that and silas is like me he's super expressive like he's everything is like on level 562 it is literally the love that they give but it's like silas it's incredible like, it is incredible, like, the way he's able to express himself to you. It's insane. That's so sweet. And I think my heart just, like, literally melted. I can't wait to see. It's been so fun to watch them grow. It's going to be so cool to see what they're like as adults. They're at an age where it changes every week. You're just like, who are you? And what did you just say to me? And I'm like, what? It's really fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting ready to close out 2022 and head into 2023 what one word or phrase would sum up what you're hoping to feel or experience in the new year so what's 2023 going to be all about for you so the term is growth but i feel like that's so vague so i want to be a little bit more specific i'm really trying to grow in my business and i want to use my everyday experiences to help that grow. So here's what I say in therapy, it goes back to therapy. I said to my therapist, I was just like, you know, I just have all these things going on and I have like contracts and I have all this stuff. And I'm like, I need to figure out what it is that I want and what's going to make me grow and not sit in this place of I'm partnered with this. So I'm with this company, I'm doing this and making everything go toward what it is that they want. If that makes sense. Shoulder surgery definitely helped because it changed me the way I train, which opened my mind up to, oh, I don't have to live in this kind of same space that I've been living in. And so I literally, my, my therapist and I talk, I'm literally doing all different kinds of things that I enjoy and seeing which one of those thrills me to be able to grow into a new business owner, to work less, to take that laziness and high achiever and make it worth something that gives me more time to myself. Personal growth is having more time. Like I think time is your, your most valuable commodity. So I'm completely fine with doing things that are making me feel really great instead of doing what I think people think I should be doing because of what they know about me. I don't have to do that you know what I mean and it's happened like I have to be okay with people not being a part of my world anymore like I lost a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and I only knew that because the point number changed and I was just like oh well, this is cool because like my engagement is like super high like more people are interested in what I'm doing but I'm shedding the fat and I feel like it's giving me more time to focus on what I want growth by giving myself more time by enjoying what I want there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. I 100% get it. Okay, so speaking of time, making time for you and Scott is so important, especially with a hectic work schedule and young kids. What has been your favorite date night this past year with Scott? Okay, so my favorite date night has yet to happen because I know the trick. Mm-hmm that I'm taking him on for his birthday. We went to the Maldives last year. We were all together. But this one is going to like completely change his life. And it's going to make me so incredibly happy. Like I'm so excited about it. So that's in the future. But if I go back to like my favorite date night of this past year, and I can't go into super detail because it's not this podcast friendly. It's more wine night friendly. But it was what we did for our 10 year wedding anniversary because we had done everything. Like we've been to dinner, we've gone on a trip. We we've done all the things that you could do. And this was like a super outside of our comfort zone. Let's explore something so wild and crazy together. It just fueled this like incredible amount of trust that we're journeying on. And just like you, when you think you can't love or know somebody any further, Like when you do something outside of your comfort zone, it just takes you on a journey of more conversation. You get a little deeper, you learn a little more things that you didn't know. And so I kept that podcast friendly. So it was a really amazing date night. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You had the honor of marrying several couples this past year. I am a beneficiary of RevT back in the day, but what do you love most about officiating a wedding? Oh, Well, I've only been able to do this at two of the four weddings that I officiated. You and Darren's wedding was super small and intimate. And because of our connection, because I know you guys super, super well, it was more of sharing a moment. And then I did Alex and Steve's wedding. It was like super well planned out and everything, but it was more of, they were like, hey, this is what we want. This is how we want the ceremony to go. And it was like super dope. But the last two weddings that I did was different in a sense of, wow, like this is cool because Taylor and Brock's wedding was crazy. I walked down the aisle, it was raining. And so I'm navigating the rain, people with umbrellas, the bridal party walking down, the women having on kind of silk-like dresses. And so I'm trying to make this wedding incredible for the couple by not letting the rain get in the way, but by managing how cold people are. But what I enjoyed most about it was I was able to change the dynamic. I was able to take the rain away. And so because of the way I was able to officiate this wedding and the energy and power that I gave it, and so many people walked up to me and were like, oh my gosh, like we're cold and freezing. And the way you were able to manage that was amazing. And it was super fun to do. It was, I was able to direct this energy so that these two people would have a memorable day without being like, okay, it's raining. Let me rush through this. I was still able to give them their time while figuring out all that. And then the last wedding I did was also really interesting because I'm Rev T, but I'm definitely not a preacher. I'm not a preacher of the Bible. This particular couple, some people in their family were like, you sure this person's not a minister? You know, we have family members that are ministers, like they could officiate your wedding, right? So, you know, they're talking to me and like, you know, they're like, we're not going to do that. So I was like, let me give them a prayer. I was like, I'm going to give them a prayer. 
Let me tell you something. I'm not going to curse in this zone because it probably just wouldn't sound right while I'm cursing. While I, I was quoting Bible verses, I was going all the way in. And again, those same family members walked up to me and they were like, oh my gosh, that was really beautiful. <laughs> and then somebody came up to me, they were like, I'm officiating a wedding in two weeks. Can I get some tips? I'm like, no, you can't have any tips. But I did give them a tip. But the thing that I like about it most is just being able to help the energy of the actual ceremony. Wait, so there's your new business idea, Rev Tease Officiant School. I think so too, but people aren't going to want to pay that much. <laughs> it would be a lot because I ain't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We know that self-care is important, but what does self-care look like for Sean T? And is that any different than what self-care looks like for Sean Blocker? They are one in the same. Thank you for asking. I used to separate who Sean T and Sean Blocker was, but then I realized that just wasn't good for my mental health because why am I treating one body differently for different things? And Sean Blocker fuels Sean T. And that's exactly how I look at it. If Sean Blocker is not happy, if I'm not like feeling good on the home front, I can't go out there and be Sean T. So when I'm doing my recovery or like tomorrow, I'll spend like a good hour just doing recovery. That's for Sean Blocker. And Sean T is going to benefit from that. He is. Sean Blocker is the most important. And that way, people who get Sean T will get the best of Sean T. I love that answer. What is your favorite room in your house currently and why? I would have to say my bathroom. Like my bathroom is lit. It is so... <laughs> Just because like it has, I grew up very poor. You know this, like I was on the government assistance, like my family, like we didn't have a car that worked properly. And my bathroom just makes me feel successful because the wallpaper and the lights and the shower, it is, it's literally like my safe haven inside of my, it has my closet, it has a tub. It's, it has I have speakers. Like I go in there in the morning and I spend 45 minutes getting ready just because I love being in there. When me and Scott are like either brushing our teeth or we get ready for dates in there, we have this huge mirror and we try on clothes. And so it has that good connection. And then when we come out from the hot tub or swimming, the whole family runs in. It's like super connected to where our pool is. So like the whole family runs and we all take a shower in our shower and we're like laughing. The boys are having like a water fights. And it's just interesting because it's just a, a bathroom. We have a, like a lot of fun in there. It's just like a really cool spot that would just be super random. That's great. It's just a good reminder that any room can have magic if you create it there. Exactly. I love that. Okay. So oftentimes we take on new challenges and hobbies and past hobbies perhaps take a back seat during that time. Is tennis still part of your life? And if so, how are you fitting it in? I played tennis three times this year. Do you know how insane that is? That's insane because I play tennis sometimes seven days a week, or at least I would at least play four days a week and at least an hour and a half to two hours of those four days. And then this past summer, I played three times with a guy who I knew that when he was 12 years old and now he's 18. It's like so funny. I do want to play all the time. I want to play a lot. But the fact of the matter is my coach moved to Idaho. So it was okay. I can't really play anymore. It's been really tough. Like I really would love to play every day, but I also don't have time like I used to, especially because I'm now focused on like physique competition I'm gonna do next year. So I'm not happy about it. 
Okay. So I'm inserting a bonus question again. Hopefully, hope it's okay. You said you're going to compete in that uh, physique competition next year. So what was the thing that made you say, okay, I'm going to do that? So I wasn't going to, cause I was just like, this is just crazy. I loved how people were training for it, but honestly, this is going to sound really vain. I look really fucking good. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not even trying to be ripped right now. I'm not trying to be ripped. I'm just trying to gain weight and be really strong. And there were people who would be like, oh my gosh, like you have great genetics. I know what that is, but it's me. So I realized that once I got to a point of doing super hard workouts that, and my shoulder got better. And then I was just like, I was building a body that I never was able to develop in this way. I was like, that would be like really fun to do. The last eight weeks, I'm not really excited about because it's like you cutting down and getting super shredded. I'm not necessarily excited about that, but I'm really excited about the process. And this is another way to get on stage. I've never been on stage in this capacity. You know, I was a professional dancer. Obviously, I've been on stage for TV shows. I've been on stage for musicals. I've been on stage for fitness, but I've never been on stage in something like a physique competition. But you did pageants, right? Like it's different. It'll be pretty interesting to say the least. watch i really love wakanda forever we just saw that one i love it i'm a true crime fanatic and Dahmer was fascinating oh my gosh like how many people could have stopped him along the way was i would just infuriated the whole show <laughs> it was fascinating i was like how is this even possible and then believe it or not and i'm talking about it now like Love is Blind is a really interesting, like it's campy and I know people are like, this is dumb, but I find it to be extremely fascinating because Scott and I watched it together and we were always like, you know, what if we met behind a wall? Do you think through conversation we would have, I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea about that. 
But then when these people move out, when they see each other and they move out into the real world and like the dynamic change and the things that people argue about and like political and family, we've cried over not because of these people's love, but just because I'm just like, I'm so thankful I found you. Yes, we've had experiences with that kind of like stress in our relationship and had to talk through something like that or whether it's insecurities. And I just think if people look at it, if couples together watch it in a non-reality show way, they will actually be able to build some conflict resolution strategies for their own relationship. Because a lot of times, you know, when you look from the outside and you're like, oh, why is he acting like that? Why is she acting like that? And we would just talk about what would make us feel that way. Every time we watch an episode or a group of shows, two or three, because we usually watch two, we end up holding hands because it's just, it's a great way to hopefully bring you together. Or maybe like you realize you don't want to be with that person, which is fine too. (laughs) I could never get Darren to watch that show. I did watch season one though, and I found it fascinating. I haven't watched season two because you know him. Oh my God, but you Um, should watch it. You should watch it. It is season two is good too. Like it's good. It's reality show good, but yeah. Okay. So what is currently your relationship with social media? So, oh my gosh, how do I answer this? What is my relationship with social media? Like, I'm going to say it like this. I am so done with the algorithm. I am so done trying to create this amazing content. I do not. I literally am like, like this tree looks really nice. I'm posting a picture of the tree because it's what I like. And I didn't do that, but I don't care how many likes you give me. I don't care what kind of comments I get. I don't care even going into the new year. Like I'm not a political person, but I'm like, at this point, like people are fucking crazy. And if I happen to want to go off because this is how I feel and this is what I want to put out there, I'm done with the algorithm. I'm not spending 35 years on creating a video for a platform that's not paying me for it. If a dance challenge comes up, I'm a I'm as a professional dancer. Like I can learn that in 15 minutes. That's not an issue for me. It's fun. But I'm not trying to put out this content that's if you subscribe to my subscription page on Instagram, you are getting the stuff that you pay for. Like you're going to get behind the scenes of my new stuff that I'm doing with Beachbody, some family, my motivation. Like I give send out voice memos. I do like really fun stuff for these people. But if you're just on Instagram, like you're going to get me, you're going to get exactly who I am. This is not my full-time job. Like I'm just not doing it. And then I introduced Twitter, which is I take body physique pictures and let's just say I make good money on Twitter in a certain kind of way. Actually, like Facebook is like super chill because they love family. They love fitness. They love real talk. They love motivation. I treat the platforms differently, but I think overall, I don't spend as much time as I used to. I realized that with social media, and this is not to discount like some of my friends who teach social media training. I'm like, if you have a business and you're using this as your tool and your marketing product, I'm like, by all means, do it and make all the money. Go for it. Like it works, but I'm just not doing that. Like I don't have time. I definitely used to be like, Oh my gosh, it's got 20,000 likes. Oh my gosh, now I'm like, most of my stuff is getting like over 10,000 likes. And now I'm just like, I don't care. It could be 50 likes. And I'm like, I had a good ass time posting that. And I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who feel the way that I feel. I have a good relationship with Meta too. And I love it because they actually love me. So the things that I post, they're like, they love that I post what I post because it's me. But I know there are a lot of people out there who feel the same exact way. Like you have a full-time job and you're trying to build this social media platform and everybody's aiming to be like 
the Kim Kardashians and like these people that have hundreds of thousands of followers and they think that because you have 176,000 followers, you have $176,000 and you don't, not everybody does. And then there's TikTok. Like when I had time during the pandemic, I would post on TikTok every day. Like I had time. And I also know that like great relationships aren't built like on the front page of the app. Great relationships are built if people value what you say because you're saying it, not because you're trying to get them to like what you say. And great relationships are valued in people who subscribe to the things. Like I have the Unity community, I have the subscription program, I have my Y Night Club with my husband, and I have this podcast, and I have my fitness stuff. And I'm like, I'm cool. And YouTube, but. Okay, so then like a follow-up to that, <laughs> it's 10 years from now, the boys are 15, pretending that the social media atmosphere is what it is today. What are your thoughts surrounding the twins and social media use? While I can't predict the future, what I can say, and I hate to be like, I hope that they feel this way. Cause I mean, they're going to be their own person. They might love social media and they might be super talented in something or super creative or an astrologer. If they have something that they really think is fine. Like I'm not going to say, oh my gosh. And who knows? They're probably going to be living in another world. I don't know what the world social media is going to be in 10 years. But anyway, my whole point to this is our goal for our children is that they don't give a f if somebody likes them in that way or not. Like they're going to value interpersonal relationships and the people who are around them. I hope that they value themselves and what they do. And they're focused on Either, like I said, maybe they'll be in science and maybe they'll be in like, maybe they'll be archaeologists or sports or hopefully they are so enthralled in that and they're just performing at a high level that if the social media happens, like if they are a good ice skater and they post about it and people are like, oh my gosh, like you're a good ice skater. Hopefully whatever they do, if they post on social media, it's what they want to do and not try to bring people onto their platform. I think that's the part that's so frustrating is you open up this app to get followers. I do understand it in a business standpoint. If you're like, I want to make money doing this because I have something special to offer. I get it. Like I understand if you're business wise, but you open up this app to get people to like you. That's kind of, it's fine if you go at it like, this is what I have to offer. And it'd be really great if people who are into this come vibe with me. But we have the like button. You see your insights and all these numbers start to matter. It's just like weight loss. Like it doesn't matter. Like it really does not. Unless you are absolutely being authentic to who you are. And that's the hard part for a lot of people. All right. You've made it to my final question, <laughs> which is, it's not that deep. You're fine. You've added a lot of new body art over the past few years. What's the story you are trying to tell through your ink? P.S. My Very... husband helped me with that last question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love his ink. I'm not trying to tell a story at all. Someone said to me the other day, like, I'd have a better artist for that if you were going to do that. And I'm like, well, I didn't get it for you. There's nothing about what I put on my body that's for anybody else. The only thing that's really great is like when I get a new tattoo and Scott is like, oh my gosh, that's so hot. Oh, like I love, like he loves my ink. I was on Twitter and... Scott posted a picture and there was somebody that commented. They were like, oh my God, please don't mess up your body by getting tattoos. Like your body's so beautiful. And I'm like, shut the f up. Nobody asked you. And he's getting one. Anyway, I don't get tattoos 
for anybody. Like, I love it. It's so everything has a meaning. And when I look in the mirror or if I look at a photo shoot that I did, I'm like, this is so cool. And I just like it. I'm not trying to tell a story. Cool. Maybe let me reword that. Okay. So though I loved your answer and okay. I love that you're doing it for you. And maybe instead of what story are you trying to tell what, and I know you can't go through all of them. What makes you say, okay, I want this and I want this here. Does that make sense? What, I guess maybe what's the motivation behind adding a new piece of art to your body? I'll use like this arm, for instance, which I haven't really, it's not done yet, but you know who that is. This is Scott's face. It's so Scott is here. And so I have my astrological sign right here. And then there's going to be Scott. And then down here will be something that represents Silas and Sanders. So this is like my family arm because it's on the side of my heart. And then this is my side with uh, just here. I have the vows that Scott said to me, and then I'll put the ones that he said over here, this tattoo is a Phoenix rising. So I used to have this alpha and this little thing was a Phoenix, but I just wanted to make it like bigger. Like this is the clarinet was the first instrument I played. And then now I use my voice through podcasting. And so it's like super fun, but I think like, you know, I dig deeper right here. I just kind of think it's cool and I love it. And I, I do it for me. I never really thought about that in that way and i know some people obviously darren created another language with his tattoos which is like really amazing and plus the other thing is what i find to be incredibly cool is the relationships i build with tattoo artists like this whole this entire yeah. arm minus a couple things was done by one person and like my chest this tattoo this tattoo was done by one person and i built an incredible relationship with him and this tattoo and this was done by another person and he was great and my tattoo on my leg this tattoo was done by this woman who was like really incredible and i think i go back to those people because i know they're doing it with care it's not just like a off the cup like i have a small one that i went to a tattoo shop that i didn't i'm like i know they can do this is simple but i go back to the same tattoo artist because i feel like it's fun building a relationship with them yeah i got it i'm more like you than my husband each time it's just oh i want this because of this and i don't care if anyone else likes it sean you have answered all of my 15 questions plus two bonus questions they weren't that challenging i tried to encompass what i thought might be interesting to all your podcast listeners and just things that i kind of wanted to know too so thanks for no. all your great answers yeah they were great questions i think a lot of them that were non-specific but i feel like you know, the ones about the kids and what next year is going to be like and people who do have tattoos. I think it's all self-reflective.